Hello, and welcome to the Dad Jeans Podcast. My name is Didon, and along with my co-hosts, Brian and Harris, each episode will try to unpack, examine, and discuss the DNA of healthy fathering. While all three of us are fathers, the road to fatherhood has been different for each of us. It's our hope that those differences and the perspectives they bring will only add to the conversation. Thanks for listening. With the country still reeling from COVID-19, more and more parents are considering homeschooling as an option for their students. In this episode, we dig into some of the components of a homeschooling program with special guest, Mallory Tay. But before we do that, let's check in. Fellas, what's good? Hey, what's what's going on? Hey. I'm excited for today's show. Uh, The title is Homeschooling Considerations, and we got an expert. Yeah, we do. Um, Somebody extra, somebody extra today, Jack. (laughs) Yeah, buddy. (laughs) I I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Let's do a quick check-in. It's been a minute since we had an opportunity to wrap. Uh, B, how you feeling, man? Listen, man, I'm I'm cool. Um, I I got an issue though, and my issue is so. Yesterday we had a little little hiccup. Nas came into the house and he fell and he split his lip open. Um, something Poor something guy. massive to the point where I thought he needed some stitches, and okay. I also thought that he had like broke a tooth, and mm. so I had to keep calm while he was upset. And got the blood cleaned up, made sure that I was with him and I was mindful and just talking to him. And he was saying it was hurt, but I was validating that. And after like two seconds, this kid was like, Daddy, I want a popsicle. And so I gave him a popsicle, right? And, you know, thank God we have a pediatrician in the family, our father-in-law, who I called. I took some pictures and he looked it over and he said, everything is fine. But I felt really bad because the reason why he fell was because we were outside. He wasn't listening. And I got frustrated and I brought him in the house. And so I put this weight on me that if I just would have let him do his two-year-old thing outside, that that wouldn't have happened. And so I took that with me to sleep. I woke up with it still heavy on my heart and I called my moms today. Right. Cause I was just like, ma, I just need to know. I just need some motherly advice. So I told my mother the whole story and my mother told me, and I quote, man, you a sucker. (laughs) I was like, I don't get no hug or son. I understand. Or you did the right thing. She said, sir, he wasn't listening. You didn't put him on timeout. You weren't firm with him. You brought him in the house. He failed. You so came God took care and of you gave him a popsicle <laughs> for not listening. She so said, I ain't know I raised my son to be no sucker. Oh, then she hung up the phone on me. So, so and called me right back and said, I love you. I'm just playing. But in a moment of weakness, you went in for the virtual hug from your mama and she missed you. <laughs> Man, listen, she gave me the dog on Desmond Howard, you know, Heisman Trophy stance. Listen, I, I mean, I love my mama to death. And she said, you better not bring this up on the podcast. Have me out there all crazy and stuff. My, you ain't crazy. I love you. But what you did was you, you hurt my heart just a little bit. I love you, though. She wasn't wrong. I know. When she <laughs> told me, I was like, you are so right. Because she was like, you know, I gave you whoopings for stuff that I know you didn't do, but it was going to catch up to you one day. (laughs) How cold-blooded is is it that Harris grew up in Baltimore, B, you grew up in Milwaukee, I grew up in L.A. and Pasadena, 
And us falling in the house would have all been what we get for not following directions. That's true. We were outside. That's true. Like that's that. true. They used every shred of guilt. Hundred percent. They could, but most importantly, how's Nas feeling now? You know, he's doing well, man. The lip is healing. Um, you know, the it, it's it's still substantial enough that it's impacting his speech. Um, but he's eating. Okay. Right. Good. Um, he is still. I mean, it's it's moist, so it's not dry. Um, and he's just his, his bubbly old self. So he is Good. he is thriving. He is doing very well. I think it hurt me more than it hurt him. Okay. And the worst thing was, man, it happened in. We got him some little Bo Jacksons. Oh. oh, yeah, man! And it's the second Wait, time did he, he failed in these boat Did he get blood on him? No, but so when he failed, you were like, "You scuffed your boat, no, right. Jacksons." <laughs> Why you gonna put me out there like that? Just a little bit. Why you gonna put me out there like that? Just a little bit. Blood don't come off a of sneaker, son. Like yo, how <laughs> you? Yes, exactly. But no, other than that, man, listen, I, I'm, 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 I'm glad that he is doing better. He is on the up and up. Uh, and I'm also glad that I was able to reach out to my moms too. Pfizer helped me kind of walk this walk. Um, you know, fellas, just understand that you know you can't control certain things and don't put the blame on yourself. Um, so yeah, that's that's how we're doing right now, bruh. Let me tell you how lucky you are. Had he chipped his tooth, mm. somebody would have been like, "That's what you get for naming your son Nas." You know, you know that's out there. <laughs> They'd be you like, know that's out there. I you did it to yourself. My face right you, there. You did it to yourself. I know, man. So I know. Crisis averted. True. 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 Yo, how about how if about this how is the last show because ain't none of us friends no more. Y'all know. <laughs> y'all know the exact <laughs> moment. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, black black people are superstitious in a way that everything is connected. Facts. Facts. All right, Harris, how you feeling, man? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good, man. Um, another good week. Another great mental health week. Uh, I started doing some more exercises. I'm all right. So I've been a chunky kid my whole life. It's like we got a chunky gene, right? Right. And my daughter and I, we we were just like, let's just work out. You know, she she wakes up when I wake up. So she's like, Daddy, you got all them weights. Like, you know, what we doing? And I'm Is like, the younger oh. daughter or the older daughter? My older daughter, Nisi. Okay. And I'm like, man, I wasn't asking for no accountability partner. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I said I need to work out. I didn't say I want to work out. Right, right, right. Every morning she's looking at me like, we're going to do these dips. So um, it, it's been really cool. It, I'm even seeing her like get toned up a little bit. Nice. And it just... You know, it's you know, there's certain things when you're young and you're like, if I have a kid, this is what I'm gonna do. And the fitness piece was one of it for me. Nice. And um, and I'm I'm not an athlete by any means. Um, like I remember in college, you know, like I, we used to say, um, my my friends they had athletic builds. I had a poetic build. <laughs> you know, I did all that spoken word. I was that guy. So I was. Mm, I got the muscles of emotional. Wellness. I, so I'm built, I'm built like a mathlete. <laughs> right, right. Precisely. So, I love it. I um, love it. So, uh, so I, I do believe that the um, you know the doing the weight work uh, it would played a big role. Uh, but my goal is to be able to do pull ups, man. Like I I remember I used to see kids on the monkey bars, and I was like, yo, y'all are mutants, um, because I I would get to that second bar and it'd be like, and you're down. So. I'm just trying to, uh, my goal is to be able to do like five pull-ups, man. I, hey, one I, step at a time, man. One step at a time. I got a running joke with my boys. 
you could hide the secrets of the Sphinx at the top of my pull-up bar, and I would never see it. <laughs> Bruh, I, I try, I struggle, I kick, I swing. Bruh, it's real. <laughs> it but is. It listen. is real. The, the, the pull-up struggle is real, man. Yeah. Like, there, there were two days in gym in elementary school that I hated. One was the physical fitness day. And the other one was turn your partner do si I was like, man, why the heck we got line dancing? We, we going to go ahead and get some dodgeball going. You mean square dancing? I don't know what it was called. I was just waiting to go ahead you and get that dodgeball going. What'd I say? <laughs> you said line dancing. I know they do that in Chicago. No, nah, I think that I That wasn't what you was doing. My that, school situation was different. Y'all crit walking? What y'all doing in L.A., man? <laughs> Listen, we had a field. They would throw one soccer ball out there for like 60 kids and just go at it. You lucky like you get one Welcome to the Terra Dome. That's what you went to, man. man. We played three fly where you just had a tennis Ooh. ball. Somebody would throw it. This is this is like the closest thing you can play to football on asphalt. And whoever could catch the ball three times then gets the throw. Three fly. Oh, we call that 500. And we, we call that something that you can't repeat these days. <laughs> oh, yes. I already know what it's called. That was a, that was a ridiculous game. Yes. And the name uh, was even worse. Yeah. Uh, he got a lot of city. So that's what's going on with me. I'm doing, I'm doing really good. Uh, happy, healthy. God is love. That's what's up. So. Um, what about you, D? You ever have that moment where you realize that you have completely been played? Oh. My. I, Ella has been asking for allowance, and and to her credit, Ella is a very helpful child. Right? She's always trying to do dishes. She will fold. She wants to do laundry. Oh, that's what's up. And so, helping. I was like, okay, starting fourth grade in September, you're going to get chores and get allowance. So we talked and talked about a weekly, you know, um, five dollars was the number that we arrived at. And and this, and all these conversations are have to be complex negotiations because when we did the uh, the two fairy situation, mm. I would give her two dollars, her mom would give her a ten. And so I was like, see, the two fairy is looking like a punk over here. I need you to be consistent. But you we got agreed. the DC tooth fairy, right? So so we agreed, and um, I hear her in the back of the car, like just doing math, like in the thousands, and I was like, wait. What are you adding up? And she was like, well, if I get my $5 a day, by the time my birthday, I was like, whoa, it's not $5 a day. It's $5 a week. And she was like, for chores? I was like, yes, yeah. for chores. The she things like, you're supposed to do? Yes. The things you've been asking, she was like, mm, I don't know if I want to do that. I was like, oh, time out. One, Little I, thought you, I thought you had a problem with multiplication. Right, your multiplication sound real good when it's got a dollar sign next to it. That's the Skip first counting. thing. Yeah, you know what I mean. You do an advanced math. Um, so yeah, we um, we're starting her with an allowance. I have an aunt who's a banker, and so they have all these little um, kind of introducing introduction to banking games. Nice. And so uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a good experience. But yeah, we had to get it straightened out before I had to take a small business loan out just to keep up with my child's expectations. <laughs> Oh, that's what's up. Yeah. So we're going to do something different today. For the last couple episodes, we've been having the question of the week. But when we had a guest, the guest wouldn't be a part of our question of the week. And 
we were thinking that it would be a great way for our listeners to get a preview on how our guest processes and we give our guests an opportunity to get in on the fun. So um, before we jump all the way in with the question of the week, Harris, I, I want you to, to introduce our guest. Okay. Don't mess this up. Hey, ain't no way. You had one job. Hey, I, I, put, a, I put a ring on it. Job right. done. Right. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> uh, hey, love. Hello. How you doing? I'm, I'm good. Just say hello, son. Okay. Right, no, no, no. I just want them to hear your voice. <laughs> that is the voice of my lovely wife, Mallory Tay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I like to tell stories. So the first time Mallory and I met, we stood across from each other for about two hours at a party. It was a Kappa party. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we both, uh, well, she left when a fight broke out. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was like, well, <laughs> and, well, you know, just let it go, let it go. And then um, like a week later, a mutual friend was over my house. And, you know, I was looking, I was looking on Facebook and I saw we had a mutual friend. And I saw Mallory. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, this is the young lady I saw. Is she crazy? And they said no. <laughs> and I was like, thank God. Wait, wait, what else did they say, though? What else did they say? No, no, I'm not going to go. Okay. And then I was like, so why you say that? And she was like, well, she's an RA. I was like, ooh, she know how to be responsible. <laughs> Okay. All right. All right. So I hit her up. So I hit her up. We go back and forth for a minute. And then I finally asked for her number on Facebook. And she just, go, she ghosts me. I don't hear nothing. She doesn't respond. Nothing. And then I, one I can't day, believe that. After you took the time to cyber stalk her. And I, know. To- <laughs> I know. We done went back and forth like at least six messages. I mean, why wouldn't she give me her number? Man. Then one day out of the blue, she finally hits me up and we decide to have a date. So I go to pick her up. And I remember, I'll never forget, I was driving up to the school to pick her up. And like all I saw was like this dip, this dip. I was like, oh, she got a dip. She got a little, okay, you know, she got a little dip. That's okay. I'm cool. We straight. You saw me walking past the window. Yeah. And she had this little dip in her walk. So then, like, so she opened the door. And when she opened the door, I saw that she only had one shoe on. I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, I w- it would have been fine either way. But this is cool. So. <laughs> All right. So anyway. All right. I'm going to fast forward. Susan. I was Susan's confident in myself. She was really confident. <laughs> Hey, she, care. she was like, look, you came three minutes early. I need to find my other hand. <laughs> I ain't oh, she, she wasn't like at the spot already just with one shot. No, no, no. Nah. I went to pick her up. Okay. I was a gentleman. Okay. I thought y'all met at the restaurant and she just nah. had one shoe. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. I was like, hey, when you got it, you got it. <laughs> look, all right. All right. I, I, I got it. All right. I'm not going to go to all details. If y'all want to hear the rest of this story, maybe we make it preview content. But here's the thing. It turned out that the reason why she finally hit me back is because she started doing her reconnaissance. 
the reason why she didn't call me was because she found out I wasn't a student. And she was like, oh, you, you a townie? Nah, son. But it turns out that my college um, Your graduate. chair, my graduate school chair, is her first cousin. Second cousin. But it doesn't matter. Who's, who's, who, who cares? Thank, thank you, baby. Thank you. Um, <laughs> then, what else was it? It was a bunch of stuff. So when at the end of our first date, I had I was asking I was on this kick where I was asking women I was like this is the question that's going to determine whether or not I'm even going to call you back. <laughs> I was like, what music you listen to? This woman said, "Little Brother." Shout out to my frat brother uh, Ivan Marshawn Williams who put me on the Little Brother. <laughs> I was like, you listen to hip hop. Yeah, because now I was like, you know, I like hip-hop. And- oh, no, no. Yeah, and I was like, oh, hip-hop, right? Who's there? You know, who's a Puff Daddy? <laughs> I was like, no, I, really, I like Lil Brother. I like Most Def. <gasps> you know, I like Tyler Kweli. And- she made me clutch my pearls. <laughs> she made me clutch my pearls. So I didn't hey. just say just R&B and rap. No, and I'm, I'm all interjected into your intro. Keep going. Oh, like, oh, 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 oh. All right. She's like, let me, me. Let, let me allow you to introduce me. <laughs> so needless to say, uh, what, four years later, we married? Four years mm-hmm. later, we get married. And um, my wife is, Mallory, mm-hmm. is an artist. She is uh, the primary person in my life to teach me that I am deserving of love and everything that 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 comes with it. She's a wonderful mother. And today we have brought her here to tell us about our homeschool journey, but really hers because she definitely uh, has been the visionary in this household um, when it comes to homeschooling. So uh, with everything that's going on with the pandemic and everyone's life that's changing. Uh, I introduced Mallory, who will give us stories about how she's helping me to raise free children. All right. That's what's up. Welcome. 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 Thank you. Y'all made it so hard with the way y'all, what y'all was talking about. It was so hard for me not to laugh. We're all, y'all's check-in, y'all are hilarious. So well, I'm try. so happy to be here. We try, we try. It's be so happy <laughs> to have you. Yes, we are, we are excited to get into it. But before we do that, and I've been... I'm scared. No, I ain't scared. Is, I'm just sitting there like, this, this is, question better be awesome. This You're is right, great. Right. My toxic masculinity right now. I'm sorry, y'all. Listen, I've, I've been in the lab for a week putting this question together, wording it just right. All right. It's the bathroom, y'all. So, so here it is. And I'm, I'll repeat it twice because the wording is important. Every couple in TV land has broken up. Everybody from Fred Flintstone and Wilma Flintstone to uh, the Bradys, Martin and Gina have gone their separate ways. Mm -hmm. And you are a professional matchmaker. And they all come to you because they are interested in being with someone. So my question to you is, who who do you put together and why? Now, I just want to give you two caveats. Assume that if you connect them, then they're interested in each other. 
And don't get caught up in the barriers, right? I don't, Harris, I already see you. Well, somebody's on the CW and the other person's on Fox. Don't, don't, yeah, don't you act like, like you know Harris. me. Yeah. You yeah. Do don't, get, don't get caught you up. Might on cable and one is not on cable. Right. <laughs> if you, you want to hook up, uh, you know, Pam from Martin with Archie Bunker, that's on you. That's fine. <laughs> as long as you can give us a why, then, um, hmm. yeah. And, and we're thinking for a family. So. Oh, for a functioning family? Hey, listen, <laughs> what, what does that mean? <laughs> True. Mm, all right, so Frazier and Thelma from Amen. Woo. <laughs> okay. Now, now, give me your why. <laughs> all right, let's, uh, let's figure this one out. Uh, it was a cold day in Boston. <laughs> Not the how. <laughs> Uh, all right, so I think Frazier, they would have had they would have had like some great conversations because you know how she was obsessed with the pastor trying to you know make him love her, you know. So obviously she had some work to do around like self identity and self worth, and he's a psychiatrist, you know. I mean his whole life. So in the beginning. You know, they just thought it was, you know, oh, I'm just, you know, I naturally help people. But then he looked into them chocolate non-cooking eyes. <laughs> and um, them's the ones it was, you know, because he was like, I don't need you to cook for me. I'm rich. But what I do need is that pure love. And they live happily ever after. All right. All right. Oh, go ahead. Jump in there. I was going to say Jerry Seinfeld. Okay. And Meredith Grey. So, where's Meredith from? Grey's Anatomy. Ah. The main character. Because they're both neurotic. But in different ways, though, because Jerry Seinfeld, I mean, clearly he's a comedian, but very, and, not but, and very intelligent. And very thoughtful and very, um, you know, seeing things for what they are, but funny. <laughs> and then Meredith Grey, she can use a laugh or two, you know, she's so surgical. <laughs> okay. Um, but she, I think she would be able to appreciate his comedic perspective on things that they both would probably be communicating about or uh, pondering or, um, you know, they, they would both find interesting or intriguing. So that would be my, my match. Okay. B, saw you. All right. I thank you for that extra time to put together <laughs> this awesome couple, which is going to trump all of your couples. And it's Lisa from Saved by the Bell. Ooh. And Carlton from Fresh <laughs> Prince of Bel Air. Oh, I like that. Oh, I know. One. I'm sorry. Thank you. <laughs> oh, that's I don't so need. Good. To, I don't need to oh. say anything else. The oh, time you should. Oh, right. You should. <laughs> well, just just for the record, give us your why. <laughs> because first of all, remember there was the episode where Lark Voorhees told Carlton that she was pregnant. Remember that. that episode? Okay. Okay. Right? But 
Look, Mallory, you remember the episode? Uh, it's coming back to me, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. look it up on YouTube. You're going to yeah. be like, that was Lisa for real. But just think about it. The, the whole Saved by the Bell, that was what, Malibu, that was private school, this, this, that, and the third. And then you got prep school elite Carlton, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's just a perfect match. It is. That's yeah. just a perfect match. And, and all the hijinks in both of their lives. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's good. I don't even know who Lisa's parents are, but I bet they just like the Banks. Yes. I, I got to give yeah. y'all props. I assumed everybody was going to hook up Uncle Phil with Claire Huxtable. But okay, okay, I'm good. Ugh. Here, <laughs> I mean, two lawyers. <laughs> That's boring. See, yeah, that, that was a law school joke you heard once. Oh, no, I forgot your lawyer. Sorry. No, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Because because actually, my first thought was Claire and Uncle Phil, but I was like, that, the household would be so stern and so intense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I started thinking. Claire Huxtable and Rainbow Johnson from Blackish. You have two women who are from very different perspectives. One is one is old school. One is a bit of a hippie. She's a doctor. You got a doctor and a lawyer. Fine. Oh, if that's if that's important to you. Wow. Well, they they have Rainbow is the more she's the parental friend. She's mm-hmm. the empath. She wants to get in there. And Claire is the like, listen, here are these objectives. This is what you're going to do. And I think together they could be an incredible power couple without the silly ass uh, hijinks that, that both of those women deal with uh, currently if they situations in, in primetime TV. But now here's the thing. I also, since this is a family that we're putting together, they also get frequent visits from their two uncles, mm. Uncle Phil and Uncle Bernie. I feel like that whole family is now balanced out and they are ready for anything. I'm loving it. B, that's, uh, we might have to have the, uh, the audience decide who won that one. I don't think so, because he made up the question. He's had time. <laughs> I, 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 will, I will say, I, I came up with my answer in the first 10 minutes, but since then, so many other things have come to mind. You literally have to shut the question off yes. or else you'll be like, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> but, but then again, Marge Simpson never had the husband that she needed to help her Ooh. get to the other level. So, mm, mm, yeah, so. All right. All right, B, you got it. Yeah, B. Thank you. I, I, I li- you won question of the week. Yes. I, Thank I you. will say this, though. I don't know how that couple would age. But for the time being, <laughs> I mean, they might. We would ask. We talk about that. Yeah, we talk about commercials for that moment in time. For that moment, <laughs> for that in, moment time, in time, I'll, I'll give you one more runner-up: Rainbow Johnson mm-hmm. and Philip Drummond. Rainbow had a white daddy, and Philip Drummond adopted some black kids. It's the age range is, is, mm, is too yeah, far that, off. Yeah, that age range. Hey, yeah. hey, hey. I listen, mean, I'm not, I mean, not in, in in Drummond's time. Yes. <laughs> listen, um, Stranger yes. things have happened. Stranger so. things, stranger things. Yeah. Anyway, there is Anyways. no easy way to segue. So let's just jump into, <laughs> into our subject of the day, which is homeschool considerations. I think this is an incredibly valuable topic because we are in back to school mode and yes. school doesn't look any kind of way that we thought it would look like just a year ago. 
Um, no matter what your situation is, it has been impacted with the coronavirus and with all these threats to public health. Um, and so we thought it would be great to pull up an expert. And so uh, why not um, uh, speak to someone who has been in the space, who is in the space, who thrives in the space. Um, so we invited Mallory to join us. And I am so thrilled to be here. Yay. <laughs> awesome. So one of the things that we do, as you well know, because you are a listener to the show, mm-hmm. is we ask all of our guests to share their six-word memoir with us. Yes. So as, as we jump in, Mallory, what is your six-word memoir? Okay, well, that, that was the most feared question. Um, but surprisingly, I answered it pretty quickly. But anyway, we'll be the judge I have of that. two of them. <laughs> okay. The first one, for real, though, is um, I explore until it feels right. Work. Okay. okay. And the other one was, and it's not as good, but I create with my whole body. Nope. Wrong. Messed it up. I create. <laughs> That's the other <laughs> show. <laughs> <laughs> I create with my whole being. Ah, okay. <laughs> she goes my business. <laughs> oh, so, yes. That's, so, there it is. Share with us what what that means to you, that I explore until it feels right. So I explore until it feels right. It means it's hard for me to stay comfortable. And it's because I'm evolving. You know, I change. I'm not the same person in this moment that I was an hour ago. And I think that my approach to life and creating it's movement and so um exploring that being an action word i explore until it feels right and feeling right matters to me it if a thing feels right then i'm able to give it more i'm able to pour more into it if it feels right and if it doesn't feel right whatever that it is then I know I need to explore some more and figure out why and and what that is. And so um, it leads to kind of my love for research. Like I love research. I love learning. I love education. And I love, I'm a nerd about figuring out other ways of going about one particular problem. So I, I think that pretty much sums it up. I mean, I create with my whole being also applies, but I explore until it feels right is, um, I think it's best for me. That's awesome. That's so awesome. tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. So um, I'm a wife and I am a mother of two girls and I um, homeschool them full time. I have a background in nonprofit um, administration and also art. And everyone who knows me or or knows of me through my husband or anybody kind of knows that I'm the artist, air quotes there, the artist, Um, (laughs) because I went and um, I went to undergrad and graduate school, got my Masters of Fine Arts in um, um, 
what did I get it? What did I, so I did lots of different things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I kept doing things until it was comfortable, but mixed media, sculpture, fiber arts. Um, and before that, for uh, undergrad, I got my bachelor's of fine arts in sculpture and ceramics. Nice. And I, you know, tell us about yourself. Okay, well, I'm a feeler and I um, am someone who is greatly affected by nature. So I need to be outside, you know, I need to be in nature. The lighting needs to feel right. You know, the if, if something's going on with the weather, my body feels it and I feel it affects who I am. And I feel like I am pretty much in touch with, I'm an empath just like my husband. Um, probably not, I, I probably, um, have some guards up that he does not have, but um, yeah, I I try to operate with grace and um, with um, just love, really. Yeah. What's up? Well, we're so happy to have you here. Happy to be here. So, so awesome. I took a ceramics class in graduate school, and uh, yeah, it didn't work out. <laughs> didn't work out they was like oh was that a bowl i was like Mm-mm, no it's supposed to be a cup but i guess it's a bowl now <laughs> big cup it's a big old cup i mean one person's cup it's another person's bowl bowl <laughs> toilet bowl no. oh that's cold now i'm sad now i'm real sad that was cold cold blooded <laughs> That was great. Oh, man. Well, we are really interested in diving deeper into, like, this whole homeschool experience, right? Mm -hmm. As a former educator, as someone that did the brick-and-mortar teaching in the school, Mm -hmm. we always looked at homeschool as something different. Not necessarily good or bad, but we looked at it as something that was different. Mm -hmm. But when you don't know, then you can't speak on. Mm -hmm. And I have to admit, I have to say that you two are the first family that I know personally, that I call friends, that you guys are homeschooling. Mm -hmm. And so what this is for me as an educator is I now have a resource that I can rely on to move forward if the pandemic becomes something that we need to go ahead and prioritize, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, one of the first questions that I would love to ask is, why did you guys decide to homeschool? I think this is something all of our our listeners want want to know. Okay. Um, So I've been, uh, we've been homeschooling for almost three years. And um, the decision to homeschool was... Um, made possible um, through um, a lot of different factors. But I always envisioned being able to homeschool my children. Um, Even before we even had kids, I was telling (laughs) Harris um, that when we were just married and I was working, I I started a Pinterest board called you know, babes and tots, homeschool. And I was like, you know, collecting ideas. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was when we were dating. No. <laughs> it, but, but 
the reason for that was because um, as a, when I was in the seventh grade and I'm from Ohio, very, very small city in Ohio, I had a terrible experience in middle school. And every day, and I kid Mm. you not, every morning when I would wake up and looking back on it, I was depressed um, and had anxiety, but you know, you know, you know, little bad girl, whatever. Uh, Every morning I would wake up and I would cry to my mom and say, will you please homeschool me? Will you please homeschool me? Like, I don't want to go. I don't every single day. And her reactions went from being like, oh my God, what in the world? And oh, oh, I'm so sorry. I don't know what to do with that. You know, I don't know what to do. To girl, you better get up. We going to school. No, you suck it up. Da, 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 you know, and, and hey, I don't blame her, but that was like in 1997. Um, no, not 1997. 19, well, it might have been. I don't know. But <laughs> no one was doing that. And all of the stereotypes that exist today about homeschool were really there um, back then. And Especially my, for black people. <laughs> right. You know? And so, um, long story short, life got better for me. <laughs> But um, what I found once we started having children was that um, I felt the need to supplement um, from the very beginning, you know, when we were taking them to daycare or preschool or pre-K, I still felt the need to supplement and even try to um, understand what was happening and and. and reframe what they were bringing home to us. Um, And actually they, I mean, Nisia, the older one. And um, when we had Stella, she had so many health issues that um, we were just, it was just impossible. I mean, it wasn't impossible, but I was so stressed out Mm -hmm. because every day it was something. You know, whether she got scratched by a kid or she was exposed to an allergen and, you know, and then this was from day one infant. Like, you know, she's allergic to everything. And um, luckily I got a new boss. I was working a lot and he was able to give me a raise that would help me to send Stella to her own separate childcare with a much smaller um, ratio of children who also had a background in food allergies and did everything, you know, separate for her. And she began to thrive and all of that. And, um, but then when uh, Harris got the opportunity to, uh, move, we, because you've got a new job, sorry, we took the opportunity to move. And I thought, I can homeschool. Now, we're, um, we, what we did was we chose to move in with his mom and then um, we homeschooled. So it, it was a lot of different things. So um, it was Stella's health, it was, me wanting to have a better eye and um, a better 
um, just know what the weather was a little bit more with Nisia because mm-hmm. she could follow directions and she can be a good student and she'll be the one that is so good that is overlooked, you yeah. know? Yeah. Like, oh, well, she's good. She's good. Yeah. She's good. She gets it. She gets she it. She gets it. She yeah. gets it. Yeah. You know, she's mm-hmm. and and yes, and she's a gifted child and gifted children are also like special needs children. Mm-hmm. And so brilliant brilliant and i just you know as an academic you know i taught a year of um college and um you know all you something like you know just enough to be dangerous you know um i was just like eh, just you know uh, i think i need to i need to reel her in and have them here with us so yeah that's that's the decision one thing I am happy that you mentioned is, is something that I've seen with a lot of parents um, is that we bring a lot of our own trauma oh. into how we look at schools. Yes. Um, and to have something that has stuck with you since middle school shape how you have created this safer space mm-hmm. um, speaks volumes to the power of change and the power of, of influence. Yeah. And so I just want to commend you for that because us as parents, we look at it as, well, this is repressed. I don't have to deal with it. Let me just send my kids to school. Mm-hmm. But in knowing that when Mallory was 11, your kids will be 11. And so whatever you can do to bridge a great transition is exactly what one parent needs to do. So I commend you for that. That's so dope and amazing. Thank you. Thank you. And it wasn't an easy decision and we had to wait, you know, when we were living in Ohio, I mean, every week, you know, we were, um, you know, we were, trying to figure out how to make the numbers work, you know? So there are sacrifices that we've made and that we continue to make, but it's about, you know, what counts. And what I really wanted was for my children to know without a doubt that they're loved and that they have um, a safe place to be. And we're smart enough to, <laughs> to figure it out, you know, even we don't know what we're doing. Um, at that early age, it was just like, I just need them to know um, where, where they are, where their emotional space is. So there's um, right now, there's a lot of commentary and conversations about, you know, people, um, well, I, I'm not even going to try to be politically correct about it. You get annoyed mm-hmm. when people say, uh, yeah, oh, because I'm doing uh, my schoolwork at home because of COVID-19, I'm a homeschooler. Mm-hmm. And that has always rubbed you the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And um, I know I put a negative spin on it, but can you speak a little bit yeah. in a positive way? Yes. <laughs> well, okay. So you're not... See? Okay. <laughs> your crisis schooling here. Your crisis schooling. You're not homeschooling, and uh, because homeschooling is a lifestyle, and as a crisis schooler, you are now thrust in this in this atmosphere where you have to try to figure it out, and 
everywhere around you, you look in and you see in homeschool this, homeschool that, and it's like, I can never do that. How are they doing that? I can never do that. Mine doesn't, our place doesn't look like that, doesn't look like that. And it's because it's a lifestyle that has been shaped and molded over time. But no, being a homeschool family is about your your life. Um, being schooled at home or... Um, you know, crisis schooling where you just, you're, you're trying to meet the expectations of another authority, which would be like, you know, the teachers and the principals and the institution and all of that is totally different from homeschooling. And, and I can't imagine the amount of stress and anxiety that parents are feeling who are in that situation. Um, and because, you know, they, it's, I can't imagine, okay, let me just stop there. As a homeschool family, if today is not a good day for my four-year-old, it's not a good day. And I get to make that call. Um, if it's not a good day for my seven-year-old and we need to throw all my plans out the window, it's, that's just what's going to happen because I'm not about to um, make, quote-unquote, learning um, a negative thing for them when I love it so much and I know that they love it so much. I want to make sure that their experience is as organic as it can be. And that being said, you know, for parents who are doing school at home because of the COVID-19 pandemic, it this is temporary, you know, and it's hard. It's hard as a homeschool family, and I'm sure it's incredibly hard for families that never even considered or even chose not to homeschool, Um, but it's temporary. And if you decide to take on homeschool as a lifestyle, it will be different, and it will be what you want it to be, not what an institution is um, kind of requiring your student to be. Nice. It's it's funny you call it uh, crisis education or crisis learning because I I refer to this educational process as Operation Duct Tape. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's dope. That's we're, dope. We're just trying to get through it. Um, yeah. We should call this episode that. <laughs> I love it. I love that. I love it. Um, and, yeah. And truth be told, homeschooling in a lot of ways is is the same. You know, it is. Um, I would. Yeah, it's just. I, there's something to be said about uh, building learning in the way that your child learns. Mm-hmm. You know, when I think about all the insecurities that I grew up with because I didn't learn that way and, uh, you know, thinking uh, that I'm just you know, insufficient. Um, and then for me to become an adult and find out that the creative ways that I've learned actually is what has helped me excel in life. Mm-hmm. Um I, I would love for our children to have that at a young age. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I just remember there was, uh, we took our children, no, we were talking about taking our children to uh, the soup kitchen. And um, I said, I, they actually asked me, you know, if my children were homeschooled. And I said, yes, thinking that he was going to be like, oh, they're going to be unruly. He actually said, no, we prefer homeschool kids because they they know how to figure things out. Whereas like in the regular school scenario, um, I don't even know regulars, right? In a, a public school in a traditional traditional, traditional. traditional school scenario, uh, kids, you know, they wait for instruction, you know. And I'm going to say, I'm not going to say one is better than the other. Some people really are linear thinkers and, uh, you know, and traditionalists by heart. Uh, but for us and the way that we do things, both being artists, both being, um, you know, creative types, it just, it really works for us. So... I'm glad you said that, Harris, because my next question is to the both of you, and you've already spoken to it a little bit. Um, you know, the, what, what we come to learn as parents is that there are no regular kids, you know. Right. <laughs> Our kids are incredibly bright in some areas and challenged in other areas, and, and that's just how it goes. And right. I'd I, I like to know how your homeschool approach or even, you know, your homeschooling trials and errors have, have set you guys up to directly address some of um, the challenges or strengths that, that your daughters have shown in their uh, educational journeys thus far. Great question. Yeah. Um, so with... Well, with Nisia, we're able to just be like, what you need? Okay, here. Okay, what you... Because she got something going on every single day. She got her agenda. She's seven. Uh, she is like... <laughs> doctor, scientist, fashion designer, um, hairstylist, engineer, you know, it's, if she were in a traditional school setting, she would have to stuff all of that somewhere in order to fit into this traditional way of learning. And as homeschooling, um, homeschooling has opened us up to a lot of different things, um, don't homeschool alone, okay? So you've got to find your community. You've got to find your support because within that is just wealth. I have a friend who is an engineer who taught a class for our homeschool um, co-op and had Nisia at six years old building prosthetics. So, you know, we're able to actually kind of zero in on the things that they're naturally interested in and um and also just kind of let them just let them do what they naturally want to do we um and and then with Stella as if nothing else we are not at the hospital every month <laughs> if nothing else we are not Visiting five or six different specialists um, on the day on a regular basis, but it's, there is so much more than that. She is a four-year-old who can speak better than so many adults that I know, <laughs> and she is, you know, she's able to shine and um, and, and just be happy, and the joy that she gets to experience, I get to experience. And that has just been 
it's just been an awesome situation to be in because part of homeschooling, if you start homeschooling, is what they call de-schooling. And de-schooling is also kind of like decolonization of your mind mm-hmm. where you just observe your children and you kind of let them be, okay? And you, you just, um, you let them, you know, maybe not do any quote-unquote school for a while. You don't do any worksheets. You don't do any, okay, I'm going to teach you this today, you know, and it's so important, especially people of color. If you want to homeschool, you absolutely must de-school because there are so many parts of the um, of the institution of education that really are missing um, for students of color in order for them to kind of grasp this more cyclical um, uh, way of learning. Uh, you bring up a good point about the, um, you know, the circular way, circular way. Yeah, I didn't say yeah, the way, right. whatever. You know, right. yeah. I mean, y'all know what I, It didn't feel right. I know it, yeah, like, it didn't eh, taste right. It didn't taste right coming uh, out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really, I really love Strength Finders. Um, it's I, I'm I'm a junkie for uh, like these assessments, and um, the Strength Finders model says instead of us focusing on our weaknesses, it really says let's focus on our strengths and build upon that um, because you know the. 20 times harder of work that you spend and energy you spend trying to work on that weakness. Um, if you were to put that uh, energy into your strength, you would actually really um, excel. So we build on that. Uh, we build on that with our girls. Uh, and that doesn't mean that, you know, if there's something they don't, they don't struggle with, we won't, um, we won't address it. But to see them, to see that light in their eyes. I remember even as a kid for myself and seeing the light dim in others. Um, so it's just been a foundational piece for the way that that we, we um, homeschool. Um, and just one more piece about Stella's health. I can't imagine being in school feeling sick all the time. You know, and if you know anything about, uh, you know, social determinants of health and, you know, kids who you know, just, um, you know, aren't getting the proper nutrition at home, they, all those conversations, they talk about how much harder it is to learn mm-hmm. in an atmosphere when you have so much else going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's been a blessing to be able to even build a curriculum um, around uh, even her understanding of allergies yes. and you know what she can eat and what she can eat, I wouldn't be surprised if she ends up being a, a nutritionist. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I ain't gonna either. put that on her, but no. you know. So anyway, but we do pay close attention to building on their strengths intentionally. Yes, yes. You know, one of the clear benefits of homeschooling, listening to you talk, is that you're able to tailor what your child's experience is to their strengths and 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 address their challenges in, in unique ways that, that may not be available in a traditional environment. Um, one of the things that I've noticed, um, Ella goes to a more traditional um, school during the pandemic, I have been, and, and I 
consider myself pretty well tuned in to, to my child, but I have learned a lot about some of her educational strengths and challenges just with her being at home. Mm-hmm. Um, so you guys don't have that issue, but I'm curious as to how your homeschool environment has been impacted by the pandemic. Well, um, yeah, it's it's definitely been impacted. And if you ask anyone who was homeschooling prior to the pandemic, they will tell you, "Oh, yeah, this is this is we are not not the same like we was because most homeschool families get to be out and about. They get to be out experiencing the world, out experiencing, um, you know, things hands-on, you know, being living so close to D.C. I mean, we go to the museums, we go and, um, you know, walk around and do some, you know, history lessons and things like that. And There's a homeschooling community. Oh, yeah. I mean, we belong to two homeschool communities, and I know someone who belongs to three or four and um, homeschool co-ops. But there's a community of homeschooling. And um, I would notice from time, I don't know if I ever really noticed prior to us actually homeschooling, but at least out here, there's always a provision for a homeschool group to come in to a certain place or a homeschool day where you can go and do um what was that thing where it's like the medieval medieval times homeschool day we went to homeschool day i mean we had a field trip at apple store and they taught them how to make digital stories and you know things like that and so yeah, they're impacted. They miss their friends. They miss getting out. They miss, I mean, we really were not home much um, throughout, you know, our week. Because that's, we needed to get out. We wanted to get out. We, um, I had friends. I mean, my gosh. I mean, if you don't have a homeschool community, I just don't know how you make it because you need to have a community as an adult. You need to go listen, these kids, and it's like, girl, no, it is all right. We're going, we're going, we're going to make it through. We're going, we're going to do this today, you know, and, but <laughs> <laughs> not having that and um, having to put that on hold and, and all of that. And I also have students. So I taught, um, I was teaching advanced art to high school students who are homeschooled and, I mean, we kind of just kept it going without a beat. It was we were on the online schooling before everyone was like, "Oh no, we actually really have to do this thing." Um, but even that was hard because it's like, you know, we want to be with the arts. We want to be in there. We want to go together to the museum. We want to go. We want to talk about it. They they looked forward to me going to class, acting crazy and yelling and saying all kinds of crazy stuff. <laughs> and um, you know, it's just different. So they've been impacted. And from Nisia, she's an extrovert. If anyone knows anyone who is an extrovert, this is this is rough. Now, me, on the other hand, I'm an introvert and a homebody. And though we were never really home, it's been a nice little break for me. You know, it's kind of like introvert's dream in some ways. Um, but... The, you know, what the mission is, is for my children to, um, 
you know, experience life and have a well-rounded educational experience. And so I feel for them because this is nothing like what we were living prior to the pandemic. I thank you for sharing that. And it, it, it brings me to thinking about, you know, I would often tell parents when they would think about schools that the best school for your kid is the best school for your kid. Yes. And, you know, parents had some difficulty in kind of unpacking that because they just wanted the one answer, right? And there is this miseducation mm -hmm. that we as parents and, you know, we have to um, detach ourselves away from in looking at school. And I want to uplift the millions of teachers that are out there that could meet the needs oh. of your daughters, mm -hmm. um, that would listen to you, that would recognize the trauma of your experience and build a relationship with you as parents Absolutely. so that the experience of your daughters would be one that you wish you would have had if you were a kid. That's how I approach my classroom. Mm -hmm. But what the constraints were, were oftentimes out of the... Um, fingertips of the teachers, whether it was teaching to a test, whether it was administrative, whether it was finances, you know, so there are all of these additional pieces that teachers have to endure. But one of the questions that I wanted to ask is, as a teacher, I would often allow, um, I would have other students to be able to base the progress of my students, not necessarily against each other, but I would be able to know based upon standards where kids work. Right. Mm -hmm. How, as a parent, are you able to do that when you don't have a class of 13, you don't have a class of 25, you know, you have one child who is one age, you have another child who is another age. Can you speak to us or talk to us just a little bit about how you're, you're able to look at standards and where they're supposed to be developmentally and academically mm -hmm. to make sure they're hitting their benchmarks? Yeah. Um, so. There was a quote that I saw and I really love it. Um, and it's, the quote is, but what about your kids? Your, no, no, but your kids will be behind. And the response is, behind who? You know, and mm -hmm. the, I love that quote because uh, you, you are your child's first, first teacher. And you know your child. I know that my child at age two, could do things that a four-year-old could be doing. And, you know, um, I had to kind of let that go and just let her lead me sometimes, even though I would want to kind of hold her back, like, but you're only two years old. <laughs> um, and the same goes for any other, you know, child in different areas. And, you know, if you know anything, if you do, I guess for me, like I said, I, I love research. So there's a whole lot of stuff in my head that I've kind of packed in there about developmental stages, but easily, you could easily go online and do your own research about what developmental stages your child should be at. And I'm not talking about how many words per minute they're reading or how well their handwriting is or or where they're at, you know, with these other subjects. I'm talking about the development of the brain of a child. And you could do a quick like, okay, where is my child developmentally at? What's 
you know, neurotypical for a child at age five. Look that up. Okay, so if my child is supposed to be doing cartwheels and he's not doing cartwheels, then I need to figure out what's happening there. Um, and also how I kind of gauge is we actually use a program called classical conversations. And what it is, is a classical approach to learning. So um, it's, you know, it's an international, it's a global company, but it's, um, it includes a curriculum as a program. You pay tuition and you meet weekly with your age group and you learn math, you learn uh, English, language arts, you learn, you learn Latin, you learn science, you learn history, timeline, you do hands-on science and hands-on art um, and music. And for me, it's a, I love that for me because I know that as a person who is brought up in a traditional education system who is still fighting against the colonization of my brain, I know that they are getting these, these educational pegs put into their brain. They're learning history facts that I could not remember if my life depended on it while I was in school. I just couldn't remember it. They're learning um, these things because it's a classical approach. Yeah, it's memorization from ages four to 10 because 11 through 13, they're rewriting it all. You know, they're, they're actually like, oh, wait a minute now. So, but that is that why. And so we chose a, the classical approach. And for a person, a black woman who's brought up, who has, a, has, um, you know, higher education, has a terminal degree in my field, it just kind of soothes my nerves and helps <laughs> me to know that I'm doing enough. And what I've found over the years is, no, I do more than enough. And probably way, way, way more than enough. And um, the classical approach is um, a, a way for myself to feel like they're good. But even if I didn't use it, I mean, from what I know and what I've learned and researched, they're children. And when they're in the elementary school age, it's very important that they are doing the things that are um, addressing the um, the skills they need to be developing, their gross motor skills, their fine motor skills, their, um, you know, all these different things. Now, as they get older, they're learning responsibility for their education and they're learning um, and they're wanting to grab responsibility. They don't want you to tell them anything, but you got to let them tell you, you know, it's like, I don't want you to, I don't want you to tell me anything. I'm going to tell you. And they're going to find that information and they're going to give it back to you. So again, behind who? Because I know that my children know more about stuff that I no clue about, you know, and academically, like, wow, you know that? Why do you, why do you know that? How do you remember that? And it's because in this stage, they're sponges, you know, four and seven, they're sponges. And they will get 
what they need. If they are uh, the most important thing is that they are loved and that they have exposure to education no matter what it looks like. I don't know if that really answers the question. I kind of felt like I went like all the way around the world. You got you got there up, though. Came Listen, back again. You can only get the home base twice. <laughs> you you explored until your answer felt right. <laughs> right. There you go. Yeah, yes. Yes. So I'll be that, listening. Yeah. The Here's only thing that something. I would I would add to that, mm-hmm. um, and I've been trying to be quiet because I'm like, you uh-huh. know, you are guess. Um, but I think you threw it to both of us. The critical thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, my primary uh, focus. So I, I did a lot of work on alternative education uh, in school, and it, it's, it's actually kind of amazing where it's like Mallory is making my dreams and research come true by the work that she's doing. Um, so critical thinking skills. Uh, have, has been presented to me over and over again in my life as the primary, um, the primary indicator of success. Uh, so, I, yeah, I, that's all I add to that. Okay. So, Mallory, my next question, admittedly, is not a homeschool question, but I think it is a a question that your answer could be very helpful to a lot of parents who may be listening in there, um, no matter what their educational journey is for their child. So on a given day, when you wake up in the morning, you are a wife, you're a mother, you're a teacher, you're a daughter-in-law, all in the same finite space. Mm-hmm. How, how do you carve out mental and physical space just to be what you need to be for yourself? Well, I've been thinking about putting a lock on our bathroom door. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Really, it is an ongoing um, challenge, but I have... You were going to say struggle. You were going to say struggle. (laughs) It's a struggle. Okay. Um, I have a phenomenal counselor who pushes me to make the space and time for myself. And um, I've seen, I've built a relationship with her for about four years now. And, um, you know, it's, it is part of it because this is my world. Mm -hmm. And I've chosen this. This is my life. And um, I, I, this is what I want for my life. This is a literal dream come true. And I have to remember myself. And so the thing that I have been doing is making sure I connect with friends, you know, making sure, uh, like I started a mom group of my friends um, and, you know, we were kind of meeting once a week just to have a space to just be like, hey, we're Zooming. This is your space. You can say something. You cannot say something. You can just be here. And, um, you know, that was always life-giving. I also am part of another um, group. And it's just, a, and sometimes I go kicking and screaming like, I don't have time for this. But I have to, when I remember myself, then I'm able to care for myself and, um, you know, 
care for my husband and my children and and then come back again. And um, it's an ongoing um, task in some ways. It's an ongoing um, dance because on one hand, it's, you know, oh, my babies, my babies, my babies. And it's like, ah, I can't even think. Get away from me. Ah, you know, what? who wants something from me now? Who, who, who? No, 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 get away. Uh, but I love you so much. So um, it, is a, it is a struggle. I will say that it is a struggle. I mean, this, this has been absolutely fantastic. We still have uh, parents that are out there um, listening that um, are considering homeschooling. Yeah. And if you could give them just a recommendation, um, a key takeaway or something yeah. to activate them, uh, what could help a parent, um, you know, knowing that this abyss that they may dive in could be helped uh, with a suggestion or a, re- a recommendation, what would you say? I would give two things. The, the one tangible thing I would do is visit um, Homeschool Legal Defense Association, um, and they use the acronym HSLDA. We'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, dot org. You can go on there and you can, you can, they have lots of resources for decisions. Um, and options that you have and questions you should ask yourself um, when you're approaching homeschooling and all of that. And the other thing I would just say is trust your own journey, love on your babies, and find your own order for your household. It does not have to look like anyone else's. That's what's up. Mallory, thank you so much. Yeah. We, we could... We could literally have a whole series on on homeschooling considerations. There's so much, um, and I can't thank you enough for your insight and for your willingness to come back. You see, that's me planting a seed. Absolutely, because <laughs> I, I got I got some questions, Jack. I I, I do got to ask this. So, do your kids call you Miss Tay or Miss Mama? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes they be finding me funny, but uh, <laughs> they will call me. I, I would have got that. away with it. Hey, Miss Mama, I want some chicken. <laughs> but yeah, no, and 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 you know, I would love to come back. And obviously, this you mean the the questions are endless. Um, mm, you can yeah. talk about forever. I would be happy to coach anyone who um, just needs to kind of kick around some ideas and thoughts. And, um, you know, I have, I've done so much research over the years, even before I even had my own kids. So, you know, my approach is different. Um, And I also am someone who does not have a neurotypical brain. So having, you know, ADHD, is a whole other way. So y'all ain't know that. Y'all ain't know I was going to say that. But and Y'all soulmates, man. You got empaths, <laughs> ADHD, snack cabinets, man. Y'all are meant to you be gotta each other. You got to have a snack cabinet. There we gotta, go. Don't ask me a bunch of questions about the snack. Go get a <laughs> yes. snack. Hey, Pfizer did say that the fifth guest or fourth fifth guest in this case or fourth guest is going to be the snack cabinet. Oh so, yes. You know. <laughs> oh yes. Just a video tour. That's 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 all oh. I need. Okay. Yes. 
Yeah, I got you. I got y'all, you. I mean, I, we already said mine is sad. Mine is kale chips and polenta <laughs> fries. He's got a shelf and a basket, two of the little baskets. You Brian, gotta have a little variety. That thing you have is called a whack cabinet, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I be eating and crying at the same time. <laughs> sad. Oh man. So listen, this has been a great conversation. Um, before we wrap up, um, I've, I've asked Harris to take the lead on on something, um, just with regard to everything that's been going on um, for the last couple of weeks. So, sure, sure. Um, I just want to take a moment to speak to the lives that have been lost. Um, I mean, really. I mean, we could say way far back, but just within this last week for us, this is uh, around September 2nd when we're recording. And um, in three days, back to back to back, I mean, you, we lost Chadwick Bozeman, Clifford Robinson, uh, John uh, Thompson. It, I just, I remember it, there are times when I'm just like, I just need to get off social media. Uh, because it just it's one hit after another, and I never forget one of my favorite poets in um, in DC. His name is Thirteenth of Nazareth, and he has this this poem where he compares nine eleven, you know, losing uh, those two buildings and and everything that and everyone that it affected uh, to uh, to losing people within his family. You know, these these towers. Of uh, of hope. So when you think of who these public figures are, uh, you know Chadwick Boseman, uh, you know Coach, it's it, it we it's just something that is resonating throughout the community, and that on top of everything else that's been going on with the protests. Uh, I mean, we have you know the protesters, Anthony Huber, uh, Josh Rosenbaum. And then when we think about the people who are affected by COVID-19, knowing that the number one population in America that's being hit are people from the African-American community, the black community, um, it's worth a moment of of mourning, uh, a moment of respect, um, and a moment of hope. And most important to me right now in this moment is that they... um, arrest the murderers of Breonna Taylor. So with all that, I just want us to take a moment of silence. Thank you all. And Dita, I'm gonna hand it back to you. You know, it's a tough note. Um, And of course we also wanna include Jacob Blake in in those people yes. who we remember and who we lift up and their families as well. Um, yeah. But we, we, we have to keep pushing. And um, it's, it's something that's not easy. And, you know, we always try to keep it light. We always try to deal with tough topics in a way that is both honest, but is also light, lighthearted. But sometimes if we're honest with ourselves, we're just not in the light mood. Um, but I do want to to give you guys the question, you know, what, if anything, is giving you hope or inspiration these days? Um, and I'll, I'll jump in there first um, so that you guys can chew on it a little bit. 
Um, today, just in preparation of this podcast, I listened to, uh, I love podcasts. So I'm always listening to podcasts, but I listened to a podcast that I discovered a couple weeks ago, but I just didn't like the title. Um, it's called Nice White Parents. Mm-hmm. And it's it's an investigative report series, five episodes, um, done by the New York Times on the impact of white parents in public schools. Mm-hmm. And it's deep. It's it is profound, and I think it's important um, because wow. it, it mirrors the exact experience that 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 we had here um, for Ella, so um, in, in D.C. And I, and I would imagine that it probably uh, one of the things that that you find out over the course of the podcast is that the same system has happened over and over again. And so I, I have no problem believing that it's happened in different in different places and different spaces. And this is not to vilify anyone, but to start having open and honest conversations. And so um, I'm inspired by the fact that we are having real conversations about all sorts of impacts. And just because you mean good, that doesn't mean that that's how things end up. And I think that when we understand um, both the history and um, what the impact of a thing is, then we can start to positively um, make steps in the right direction. And and I'm incredibly hopeful that we can start doing that because I'm not trying to waste anybody's investment in their children. Mm, That's great. Um, I'll jump in uh, Lovecraft Country. Uh, it's this new show that's on HBO, and uh, it was just their third episode this past Sunday. And um, for those of you who are watching Don't spoil it. it. Don't spoil I'm it. I'm going to spoil it. I'm not going to spoil <laughs> it. For those of you who are watching it, y'all know um, y'all, y'all know what happened in that third episode uh, that just gave me life uh, at the end. Uh, but for those who haven't, just know that this show is um, it's a recreation of the book uh, Lovecraft Country, but uh, not even a but. The, the The purpose of it is for us to really look at white supremacy. Um, it, it's like you have you have horror and you have white supremacy, and it's interesting how the white supremacy can easily uh, easily have you more uh, frightened, anxious, fearful than the horror that's going on. Like the horror is the backdrop. And uh, that is the lived experience of, of many people of color. Uh, so, you know, when you think about all the, we always talk about how strong we are and what we've endured, um, you know, that backdrop is part of where that strength comes from. So it's a very creative way of talking about some some huge issues that I think, just like Watchmen, that a lot of people would not have even um, been exposed to had it not had that medium. So uh, it's kind of sad that you know something that's destroying white supremacies was giving me life. But hey, you know everybody got their thing. <laughs> I'll go next. Um... What's giving me, amongst other things, including this podcast, it kind of brought me to life tonight. I was definitely kind of circling the train. But anyway, uh, overall, what's giving me inspiration is um, tie-dye. Okay. I love tie-dye. <laughs> and I think that... 
tie-dye may be my new uniform that I uh, have for myself. I want to just tie-dye everything. I just love it. Okay. Inspiration. All right, how much is tie-dye? It's the yank. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about uniform, but we could get you a t-shirt. Yes. <laughs> I'm talking yes. about, you know what I mean? <laughs> Listen, I would say it's amazing how God works, right? It's just amazing how when a door closes, God finds a way to open up a window. Mm-hmm. And in the midst of how this week hit us all uh, um, in different ways, um, a friend of the show, uh, Dr. Miles, David Miles, reached out to Dadan and shared with him that he has a ton of baby girl clothes and items that he wanted to donate to me and our family. And in the midst of really just trying to figure out how to breathe, Mm. I get this text from Dadan and reached out to uh, David, uh, who said, listen, man, I will drive out to you. Mm. I will socially distance and drop it off in your driveway. And no need to get me anything or thank me. Just continue to make dope episodes. Oh, wow. He a real one. And, you know, it, it was just a moment of pause yes. where it, it's further confirmed that even though I doubt God sometimes, when I ask to go left, God puts me right and shows me why. Mm-hmm. So the pandemic, everybody, listen, it, it's rough. I get it. But there are people in our silos right now that love us that need us, that embrace us, and that see us. And so, uh, you know, Dr. Miles, I know that you're listening. Uh, I am blessed and forever grateful. Uh, You will be a part of our family. Uh, When my little daughter is running around here in that little tutu, that's not a pink tutu, because he sent a picture, and both Fiza and I said, we ain't got no room for all of that, but we're going to figure it out. You're going to find it. We're going to figure it out. So that's just was just giving us information. And one other uh, thing that he shared, too, and I just want to put this out there for all of our listeners. uh, When you're blessed, pay it forward and bless somebody else. Yes. Mm -hmm. That could just be picking up the phone. That could just be, you know, be making somebody laugh. Right. Like it doesn't have to be a thing. It doesn't have to be stuff. It can just be letting someone know that God bless you and you want to do God's gift by blessing someone else. So um, that's what I'm inspired by, man. And so as we wrap this up, listen, I know it's raining. I know it's rough. I know it's dark. I know, I know all of these things are happening to us, but just keep the faith. Just keep the faith. Keep the faith. D wrap us up. Yo, um, Jeff Johnson also often asks the question, you know, what would happen if black men showed up whole? Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that we are finding out through this experiment, which is dad genes, is that we are, at, we are able to be better for ourselves, for our families, and for our communities. And we thank you all as our listeners for helping us. We are glad that you are with us. Um, and we thank you. So this has been the Dad Jeans Podcast. Thank you for joining our conversation on homeschool considerations with our special, special guest. Special. 
Mallory Tate. Going to make special jokes. <laughs> <laughs> She's special. <laughs> um, we we will definitely put um, we will definitely put links to all of the resources that that were mentioned in the show notes, and I will let the Tate family decide uh, what appropriate contact information is is. Oh uh, sure. You want me to say? No. Seven seven seven. Eleven. It'll be in the show notes. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes. Um, <laughs> We love hearing from our listeners. True. Um, if you agree with something you've heard, if you disagree, shoot us an email. Info at dadjeanspodcast.com. As always, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, at dadjeanspodcast. We'll get an opportunity to for you to answer the question of the, of the week. We can find out who your, uh, your TV land matchmaker was. Can you beat me? Can you beat me? Can you beat Brian? That's the goal. Don't even toss yeah, nothing up man. there if you can't beat me. <laughs> nope. Five stars, five stars, five stars. As always, subscribe, share us, and give us those five-star reviews. And in the meantime, stay safe, stay sane, and until we meet again, peace. 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 On the G. (laughs) All right. That's a wrap. That was so fun, you guys.